welcome to J House Radio episode 56. Just like the title or the thumbnail on YouTube suggests, J House Radio has been officially bought by Pizza Planet for $5. We have been acquired. Just like every company on the planet right now seems to be acquiring other companies, we're in the process of being acquired right now. So, um, other than that, how do you, how oh, are we doing, we're those? Also, we're also on our way to get our first sponsor. Yeah, FYI, that was a joke, obviously, guys. Um, but yes, we are on our way to get our first sponsor. Um, once we get everything uh, situated with the details on that, we'll definitely keep you guys posted. Um, Beaky in chat, how's it going? Uh, don't forget, anybody who is listening to the audio version of this, don't forget to check us out on youtube.com forward slash the J House. You guys can watch us live. Um, also on twitch.com, twitch.tv, uh, J House underscore. No, it's J, J House underscore radio underscore on Twitch. So you guys can check us out live if you guys want to catch us live and interact with the show. should put those links in chat. Yes, those links are actually going to be uh, in the audio version for you guys in the show notes. Make sure you guys check it out. Hit that like button and um, hit the bell on YouTube so you guys can be notified when we go live and post new content. FYI, side note, um, happy Black History Month out there, guys. Uh, February is Black History Month, as you guys probably already know. So we're going to definitely share some uh, some content in regards to that today, too. I just um, have one question about Black History Month. Why does it have to be the shortest month? Everybody's been saying that for so many years. Why does Black History Month has to be? What is it? What is the longest month of the year? Which one does? Which one gets thirty-one days? I forgot. Oh, dude, that, that that's that that grade school thing, you know. <laughs> chat, that which, little poem. I don't remember. Chat. Which month gets thirty-one days? We need. I know uh, January, and I know April. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. January, yeah. April, October, December. Oh yeah, December. You're right, December. Oh yeah, so it's it's plenty of months. So we could have had one of those months. And why does it gotta be a winter month? Well, I mean, yeah, true. Black people don't like cold, so yeah, <laughs> we don't we don't like being cold, chat. So yeah, let's get ready to jump into uh, our show notes. Uh, hold on, Beaky says in chat. I know, bro. Gaming for me has also been hard, as well as I recently bought Pokemon Legends, Arceus, Arceus. I never know how to say that Pokemon game. Super fun. Awesome. I'm not, I'm not a big Pokemon guy. I've I've never been, I've never watched the cartoons. I've, I just didn't care. I did watch the Pokemon movie that came out the live action one a few years ago. It's pretty good. What the Pokemon detective, uh, detective Pikachu. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't like Pokemon. Nah. You know what it is for me? It's just kind of like, I don't, I don't get it. Like I'm supposed to go out and hunt these animals, (laughs) capture them. And force him into fighting. Um, what was that name? What was his name from the Philadelphia Eagles who who got like oh, almost Michael banned Vick. for dog fighting? Mike Michael Vick. Vick. Yeah. So See, you can fight Pokemon, but you can't fight pit bulls. You know, like it should be equal justice for 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 Pokemon. You know, uh, put Ash in prison for that. Beaky and Chat said that we that we aren't cultured enough. <laughs> no, honestly, I used to think it was weird. I. I I used to always look at Pokemon and say, all right, so you go out there and you capture an animal against its will and you make him fight and you put him back inside a ball. Even if he wins, you put him in a cage in this tight little ball and kids are like, that's okay to show the kids. And the only thing a Pokemon can say is its name. 
it's i know it's such a if you really think about pokemon it's such it's kind of dark it's kind of sadistic it in is. a weird way <laughs> but yeah i'm probably gonna get flamed in the comments for this one but it's all good um all right let's jump into our random facts it's so boring uh i never got into the cartoon i never oh, watched it long enough to like really get a get a gist of what was really happening in that lore so because because of my godchildren i've had to watch a couple episodes Yo, yeah. and I'm always like fighting life to stay awake. I was like, oh my god, this is so tired. Oh my god, this is so boring. <laughs> yeah, no offense to anybody out there, anybody out there who are Pokemon fans. I just, I don't know. I just don't see the point of it. But as a Spanish speaker, I used to crack up every time Pikachu used to talk. Why? Pikachu used to go pica pica, and pica means itch in Spanish. So when you're like, hi <laughs> hey, pica pica, you're like, oh my god, I got a bad itch. So, so that Pikachu, used to crack me up. So Pikachu needs cream. That's what we have established. Pikachu needs itch cream. That's what he's been trying to say all these years, and nobody had gave that little man some itch cream. Oh, God man. only knows what that little man was doing or who he was doing. Give Pikachu Gotta watch some who itch gets cream. In, who, who gets in the ball with him. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. You're, you know what? That's probably why he doesn't want to get in the ball. You know, Pikachu Ooh. is the only one that, that doesn't get in the ball. There's a reason why. Something in there is making, making him itch. Um, all right, let's jump into our random fact. Los, I see you had uh, some random facts in relation to Black History Month. Yes, I do. Uh, if you give me one second here. Cool beans, uh, cool beans. Do you want to find out about the first lawyer or the first heavyweight champ? Oh, first heavyweight champ. Break that down for me. Jack Johnson uh, became the first uh, African-American man to hold the World Heavyweight Championship Boxing title in 1908, and he held it till 1915. Wow. Jeez, that's a long time. Yeah. You don't really see champions go multiple years as champions like that, as a champion. That's crazy. Yeah, you do. Look at Holyfield. Look at uh, Tyson. Look at uh, Muhammad Ali. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. You're right. You're right. You I, know. I guess, yeah. You know, you know what? Boxing is different because you don't, you don't have, like, you don't have that many fights in, in boxing. Like, you, you no, fight it, like it, what? It, like... it really depends on the boxer. Because if you look at Holyfield, Holyfield almost lost his title for not defending it a couple times. Um, really? and you look at Tyson. Yeah. Yeah. He almost lost his title for not, for not having a fight scheduled. Cause you need to fight again within a certain amount of time. Otherwise yeah. you forfeit your belt. Um, you have people like Tyson, like at his prime, he was like, yeah, I'll fight anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. True. You know, and Ali used to have freaking one huge fight almost every year. Yeah. Yeah, I, I keep I keep forgetting that boxing is a little weird. I'm thinking more of like wrestling, where they like fight almost every other night. You know what I mean? So for boxing, yeah, it, but, it probably is a little different. But wrestling is officially not a sport; it's officially entertainment because they tried to avoid taxes. So they said, "No, no, no, this isn't a sport. This is entertainment." Really? Yeah. They call it they call it sports entertainment to avoid taxes. Yes. Interesting fact. Los is always the random fact. Uh, guy, what's man. his name? The one who owns the WWE. Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon. He did that specifically so he could avoid a lot of sporting regulations and taxes. So he oh. said, oh, it's his entertainment. I mean, yeah, technically it is like a, it's like a, a male slash female soap opera, basically. Essentially. With, with, with baby oil and boots and jean shorts and tank tops yeah um, but whoever says wrestling is fake you have to understand the outcome may be predetermined but what they do in the ring is real 
Like, remember we used to have that that wrestling um, spot right next to us? Oh, yeah, at the old studio. studio. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yo, these guys got fucked up. Yeah, they do, man. Those guys be losing ligaments. Like, literally, Mick Foley, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, lost an ear yeah. in, a, in a wrestling match because his head got tangled up in the ropes. I was like, I couldn't imagine losing an ear in, in, in a match. What? Um. So Get it? All right. You lost an ear, what? What? Say what? You said, oh, he lost an ear. And I was like, what? Did you get it? Because he lost an ear. What? Can't hear? Damn, man. I got to repeat it. Wow. <laughs> Eternals, according to the direct.com, uh, leaves theaters with the second worst performance in MCU history. It kind of, it's not, first? it's, um, I was hoping that you would tell me that. <laughs> no, I don't know. But I'm not uh, surprised. Eternals is a terrible movie. I mean, it's well. For one, it's kind of crazy to hear MCU history. I'm like, man, we we've really had that many MCU films that we can officially say MCU history now. Um, I'm a little surprised. I'm a little surprised. Did you Why? did you think did you think Eternals was that bad? Yes, I did. Oh man, I I mean, honestly, I think a lot of people probably didn't take to it because it was very different from most of the other MCU films. Um, it wasn't, it had its moments of action, but it wasn't nowhere near as much as you saw in Endgame or in Captain America or et cetera, et cetera. I feel like this movie was based more on the story. And I think that was the main focus. The main focus was on the story and action came second compared to most other MCU films where the story becomes second and the action becomes first. And I think that kind of threw off a lot of people. They weren't expecting that kind of film. And... I think that's probably why a lot of people didn't take to it that well. The reason why I think that um, Eternals failed is because you didn't care about these characters. You never got a chance to care about these characters. If they were introduced in other movies, then you'd have been like, who are these people? You know, and then you would be like, oh, okay, I remember seeing them in, you know, this movie or that movie. I wonder what's going on. Or even yeah. if you like uh, in, um, in a news in a news art in a news um story on one of the televisions in a different MCU movie, if they talk about the eternal coming out of um the ground. Oh, this is coming out of the ground. We don't know what it is. So like if you would have dropped seeds, you would have cared. You're like, okay, so what part of the MCU does this uh does this uh movie fill? What hole does it fill? Yeah. And because you got you didn't get that, you didn't care about these characters. You know? The only one that was that was really like you could connect to was the deaf girl, um, yeah. the, the inventor guy, um, and that was it. And Selma's yeah. character, but you, they, they, they made her for you to hate her. Selma Hayek's character, yeah. 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 I mean, I guess so. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe it was too many characters for one movie. Like you said, no. maybe maybe it was too many characters for a movie because it's too many personalities that you have to get to know. And I don't know. I mean, I thought it was it, good. It, it did the Justice League thing where it tried to give everybody's origins at once. And yeah. Nobody had a chance. Nobody had a chance to breathe. Like there was no breathing room in the movie. It was just like swallow all this information, you know, and hope yeah. it tastes good. And that just, you know, it wasn't right. Yeah, 
I feel you. Um, Beaky in chat says, speaking of MCU, I won't spoil anything, but I got a chance to see No Way Home, and that's one of my favorite, but actually, one of my, the best actual, okay, I, don't, I guess you're saying it's one of your best Spider-Man movies of, of, of all time. Yeah, uh, I still I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I keep forgetting you haven't seen it. Los, what are you doing? Because my girl is like, you can't see it. Oh, we're going to go see the movie theaters together. Dude. And we're going to wind up watching it on Disney Plus. Is what oh, I think. at we this just, point, we, yeah. <laughs> bro, no, like what happened to me like two and a half weeks ago, like I got hit with a $1,700 repair bill on my yeah, truck. Yeah, I feel you. So feel you. like, you know, I'm looking at my bank account now. I'm going, so how many quarters are in my couch <laughs> so I could put gas in the truck? <laughs> He's like, so when does Spider-Man come to Disney Plus? <laughs> yeah. And even worse, my girl's birthday's on the 19th. So now my check comes in on the 15th. So when my check comes in on the 15th, I have to scramble to get her a present. So I can't get her what I wanted, which is uh, uh, I, sh I got into her wish list. She sent it to me, essentially. Yeah. So I was going to get her stuff from there, but now I can't. So now I have to give her an Amazon gift card and go, here, baby, buy whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> so romantic. <laughs> You know, it's it's the thought that counts, man. It's the thought that counts. I mean, honestly, all I would say is just like Beaky and Chat said, if you if you haven't seen it yet, man, just be careful because that movie is being spoiled rotten all over the internet. But I know you don't really care about spoilers, but still. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's it sucks. To see, it sucks to hear that it's the the second worst. I mean, I would I would think that it would be at least like middle of the pack. Um, mm -hmm. I thought it was me personally. I thought it was a pretty, pretty decent movie. It wasn't the best. I didn't think it was the worst, but I don't know. I guess we'll see how that affects how they're going to use those characters in future movies. Are people going to care when we see the Eternals again? Because we're going to see the Eternals again. It's maybe it. so. Maybe we'll see. Think about we'll this. If the movie performs so badly, why would Marvel say, "Oh, let's bring them back"? Well, I, mean, I know they're gonna bring back one of the characters, but that's it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're gonna. I don't think they're gonna go for another solo film with them again. I, I just can't see them doing that because it, the movie wasn't successful. But they're gonna at least appear in like an Avengers movie or something, or in like a, I don't know, some other film with one of the other characters. But I, I don't see them bringing back a, a solo film with the Eternals. I just don't see that happening. It wasn't successful enough, so. Uh, and again, it was a simple fact is that we we never got a chance to care for the characters yeah. or even like them. So that's why we were like, okay, whatever. Like, you know, the whole thing <laughs> is like, we used to be together. And then it's like, we don't care. <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Give me Spider-Man already. <laughs> it's kind of like, like, like you ever, um, you ever meet somebody and start being friends with them. And then it's all about their ex and how, you know, will they or won't they get back together? And you're like, oh, no, I don't give a shit. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that's kind of what it felt like in Eternals. Like, I didn't care. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Only only the future will tell where, where the Eternals will go from here. Um, All right. So next day, we're going to jump into, we're going to, um, today is at the time of this recording. It's February 3rd. We want to do something a little different this time. We're going to play around with something. We're going to have a, we're going to start adding a segment to the show that we call This Day in History. Where we talk about something that happened on this day at in some time in history that's film related or game related. Um, so Los, you want me to let you go first, or do you want me to uh, tag team in on this one first? No, you go first on this one because I just have a regular this day in history. A regular? What's a regular this day in history? What is that? 
Alberto, uh, Alberto Gonzalez became the first Hispanic U.S. Attorney General ever to be, um, he became the first Latino U.S. Attorney General. That's mine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's not regular, but I get what you're saying now. I get what you're saying. Yeah, that's, that's like normal history, not like Hollywood history. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. All right. So my first one, this one is film related. Um, this is from onthisday.com. Um, and I quote 1986 Pixar animated studios, um, headed by Edwin Catmull and Alvy Ray Smith, um, is spun off from Lucasfilms LTD as an independent film production company with the backing of Steve, of Steve Jobs. So Steve Jobs helped with the Pixar animation studio back in 1986. Yes. He, uh, he bought it from Lucas. I did not he know bought that. it from George Lucas. Yeah. He bought it from George Lucas, but it was it was some, it was called something else, and then he turned it into what it was, and then he sold it. I forgot what reason, but it was all Apple related, and he sold it. Okay. Uh, to Disney, and he used to sit on the board and all that other stuff. But you know, he um, he 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 was Pixar. I mean, all the first movies that you saw that you loved, Steve Jobs. I never knew that. That's really mm -hmm. interesting. I, I wonder if Steve Jobs had like, I mean, he obviously must have had a passion for or some kind of interest in, in film for him to help purchase Pixar. No, the reason why he did it, it was supposed to help hit. Because <clears throat> remember, he was when he left Apple, he started a new company called Next. And okay. Next was hardware and software together, just like just like the Mac. Okay. And Next was Unix based. So then what happens is through that, he used Pixar to sort of show how his machines are so amazing at doing all this stuff. And oh. so when uh, he went back to Apple, he sold Next to Apple so they could take the Next OS and turn it into Mac OS. So the Mac OS that we use today is a derivative of Next, um, which is a derivative of Berkeley Unix. And then he sold Pixar uh, to Disney. Wow. Yeah. Very, very interesting fact. I, I, I had no idea. No idea. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to jump into my... Actually, Los, you do one. You do one of yours. If you have one of yours ready. Yes. I have one about a movie I can't... A movie and director I cannot stand. I feel In like you can't stand anybody, Los. You can't stand anybody. No. Bro, have you ever seen a Fellini film? I don't, I don't even know what that is. What is that? It's an Fellini? Italian filmmaker, Fellini. Okay. No. Watch one of his movies, and you're gonna be like, "Oh my god, this is terrible." But I see where he where he influenced a lot of other people. I understand. Okay. Um, but his movies are like, you know, his movies are what I imagine like fucking doing crack, heroin, and Molly all at the same time. That's what I picture. Like the experience is like watching one of his movies. Okay, interesting. Uh, La Dolce Vita was directed by Fellini, and it was released in 1960 today. Interesting. Interesting yes. comparison, too. You know, oh, if, if I was on crack and heroin, that's what my movie would look like. Oh, God. That's crazy. My and ex in college loved Fellini. And I was like, oh, dear girl, what's wrong with you? You dropped on your head as a baby? You had to send me that because now I'm I'm intrigued to watch this movie down just so I can see what you're talking about because now I'm mildly intrigued. Uh, um, I forget the name of his most famous movie. 
But let me find it. Hold on one fact. One fact. Okay. One second. Uh, also, side note for our audio listeners, if you guys are listening to the podcast through the audio format, uh, leave a comment in the comment section on YouTube or um, yeah, on YouTube or any of your audio podcast uh, forums and let us know what what is an interesting day in history moment for you, whether it's game or, or film related. Okay, the Fellini movie that 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 is that is the is being high on crack is the movie called Eight and a Half. Eight and a Half. Eight and a half. Black and white film, a lot of subtitles, shot interestingly, but the pacing is weird. The story is bizarre. It it reminds you of German expressionism. If you ever had to sit through a film class with German expressionism, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, and it's so strange that it made Picasso's films look interesting. Pablo Picasso wow. used to make short films, yeah. The, one of the most famous shots is in the Picasso film. I mean, obviously he didn't really do this, but it's in the film where mm -hmm. it looks like he cut somebody's eye open. What? Yeah, that's yes. Look it up in Pablo Picasso's films. Okay. But what it actually was, was a pig eye. But in the film, he was cutting somebody's eye open. Like that was what was happening. Send me these films in Discord when we're done because I have to check these out. I'm Dude, actually, didn't you study this in film history class? I don't remember. I don't remember that. <laughs> if I did, I do not remember that. I must have fell asleep. Bro, that day one of the people you get tortured with. Yeah, I must. Have, I must have fell asleep that day in class. Um, I don't remember that actually. So yeah, you might have to send me that in, in Discord because I'm really intrigued by that one. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump into my gaming uh, facts for this day in history. Um, if I can find it, if I can find out where it went, where did my information just go? Oh, okay. Here we go. Um, so Pac-Man, well, Miss Pac-Man, um, which was originated in what, 1987. Um, one of the facts for that game is that it was, it was an attempt for, uh, Midway, which was the company that made that game. Um, it was an attempt for them to obviously try to pull more female gamers after the success of, uh, Pac-Man. They noticed that a lot of, uh, males were playing games, stuff like that. And they wanted to capture that female audience. So they put out Mrs. Pac-Man, well, Miss Pac-Man. And another, another thing about that game, according to mentalfloss.com, which is a weird name for a website, um, that game actually brought in at the time over $1.2 billion, making it the fourth highest selling arcade game of all time. Mm -hmm. Uh, it sold, um, over 125,000 cabinets by 1987, which is crazy. And I'm dying to have a Miss Pac-Man cabinet. Really? What? You know what? Every time I hear somebody talk about a Pac-Man game, everybody talks about Miss Pac-Man more than regular Pac-Man. Everybody. It was a better design game. Really? You think so? It was a better design game and it moved smoother than, than the original Pac-Man. Interesting. I haven't, I haven't played improved and that's why the game improved. Yeah. I haven't played a Miss Pac-Man game in freaking a long time, man. So I have no idea how, how it would feel to play that now. Um, Yo, I used to play that on my iPad. Oh, really? One of the updates broke it. Oh man. I used to be on that shit all the time. <laughs> <laughs> what i would i would love to like build my own arcade cabinet and just like install all my favorite old school games on there man like, yo let's build it with hacker let's give him a call oh hacker knows how to do that he knows how to build yeah. cabinets you you literally would need like an old pc 
Okay. Um, or a Raspberry Pi or a, a PC raspberry on a pie. stick. Yeah, yeah. You could do it. Interesting. And I could build a cabinet. You just have to buy the. They sell these these old school um, arcade controllers, and you could just build it around that. Interesting. That yeah. might that might that might actually be an interesting video to do one day where we can like make a video of us building our own arcade cabinet. Yeah. The J House arcade cabinet. I'm down with that. Um all right, Lois, what is your other um random fact for this day in history? Laura Croft was originally Laura Cruz. Really? Yes. Core design animator Toby Grand wanted to make an interactive movie starring a male character looking for treasures in Egyptian pyramids. The character was deemed too close to Indiana Jones and was quickly switched to a South American <laughs> woman called Laura Cruz. Core ended up wanting a UK-friendly name, so Core employees dove into a phone book and settled on the name Croft. Wow, he randomly just got the name from a phone book. <laughs> That's actually kind of funny. Make it more UK-friendly, but my whole thing is, why would Cruz be such a bad thing in England? In the UK? Yeah. Maybe there's not that many cruises in England. No, but it still doesn't matter. I mean, like, when it comes to video games, as long as the female character is rendered well and has the right proportions, no male cares. Yeah, very true. Very true. Her I name could be Umbala, and you'd be like, oh shit, look at Umbala. <laughs> you know? <laughs> For real. Hey, you... Oh man, sorry about that. Or she could be South African and be like, her name would be Pile. And you'd be like, oh my god, look at. Wow, Los, you are horrible. <laughs> you are freaking horrible. I, I wonder no, how people would have. I actually took that name from uh, Russell Peters. He used that um, in uh, in one of his routines. Yeah, a South African name, like it was literally Bile. He he, he saw that person in an arcade. <laughs> you know, so I I just took it. It was the first thing that popped into my head. I, I wonder. I wonder how how people would have taken to her to her if her name was different. Like, do you think that experience would have been different? No, I don't think there would be any difference. Nah. That's the only thing I think that would change is like they'd make her say a couple things in Spanish. And, yeah, and they and her trying to be South American, they'd hire a Mexican to do it, so the accent would be all off. Wow, that's actually interesting. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize that like each country has their own accent. You know, yeah, and it's very true, distinct true. from each other. Like a Colombian doesn't sound like a Dominican, a Mexican doesn't sound like a Cuban, you know, um, an Argentinian doesn't sound like a Peruvian. We all have our unique accent. Yeah. Interesting. Did you play a lot of the Laura Croft games back then? No. Or, never or like it all? The only Laura Croft game I, I started liking was the, I guess the soft reboot, the ones that were on the PS4. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That one yeah. I liked. The other ones I didn't like. I didn't like, you know, Triangle Tits. I, I was like, I, I saw no like in it. I saw no joy in it. Because here's yeah, the thing, like for me, when a character, if the main selling point is, oh, look at her, she's sexy, I kind of have no interest in it. I'm really more into the gameplay. Um, and if the character happens to be drawn a particular way, I ignore it within the first 30 seconds of playing the game. Yeah. I because I'm more concerned about the objective. I feel you. I mean, I I was really into the early games on like the like PS one, PS two days. I played a lot of those games. For me, that game was actually kind of kind of scary in a way because like yeah yeah the graphics were horrible, but like the moments where you have to fight like bears and tigers, oh my, and all that stuff like that, like that was actually kind of creepy. So for me, it was 
almost kind of like a low key horror game in a sense. So, but I was uh, I was really heavy into the Laura Croft games back then, man. I freaking so, love them. Let me ask you a question. What do you like about horror games cuz I don't like them? Um I think it's just the simple fact. I, I think for me, it's the same thing, just like a horror movie. It's like, all right, what is this film? What is this form of entertainment going to do to scare me? Like, what are you going to do to make me like afraid? Because obviously when you're an adult, you watch horror movies, it might be a little harder to be scared compared to when you were a kid. So the whole idea of a film finding a new way to scare the crap out of me, I'm intrigued by that. Like I was recently talking to my girl about this. You, do you remember the movie uh, Hereditary? I don't know if you saw that. Horror Never movie. even heard of it. So it's like I feel like over time, horror movies are becoming more inventive. Like I said, on how they try to spoof you or how they try to scare you. Back then, in like the seventies and eighties, it was all about the slasher. You're like the more blood, the better. You know what I mean? And if yeah. you can, if you can just kill teenagers in a crazy, fashionable way, you can sell tickets. But that fad has passed. And nowadays audiences like in, in the horror genre are a lot smarter. So it's about, all right, how can we give these, this audience a smart horror film? Um, I think scream was the, the one that ushered in that kind of movement, basically of not just being a slasher, but being a smart horror film, being a film that was aware of what it was doing. Um, in the film hereditary there, there's a scene without spoilers. There's a scene where there's a figure behind a woman and you can see the figure in the shot and the camera is purposely making sure that you see that figure and she turns around and she stares at it in this and the camera sits in that scene for like 60 seconds and that 60 seconds feels like five minutes. But the whole point of that shot is tension. You see her looking at the figure, you're looking at the figure and you're waiting for the thing to jump. In most horror movies, you're like, all right, when you see something, it usually jumps in like five seconds, but they're breaking that rule. Like it's making you sit in that tension, making you watch that figure until like it all, like it just jumps at you when you're least expecting it. So like nowadays horror films is all about the tension and like I feed off that, like I feed off a film, finding a new way to give me that tension, finding a new way to scare me basically. So that's for me, what I'm fascinated about when it comes to horror movies. I know I just took that, that on. Huh? For me, that was dating. <laughs> it's like I a sport, that... a horror movie all rolled up into one. Oh man. I know I probably took that on a long tangent, but yeah. <laughs> no, you didn't. You actually explained it very well. Like for me, the thing about horror games is that, uh, there are certain points in the story where no matter what you do, you can't escape certain things. Yeah. Uh, like in one of the, um, Resident Evil games, like you get your hand chopped off and there's nothing you could do about it and things like that. And yeah. it's things like that that bother me where there's just there's these certain points in the story where like you have no choice. These bad things have to happen to you. There's no way to avoid it. Like you can't play smarter or go around something to try to figure something out. Yeah. And a lot of it, it's just and there's long moments of silence <laughs> in horror games. And I'm just like yeah i mean it's i it's mean not... yes it does build up the tension but you also kind of you feel kind of lost you're like did i miss something should i go back should i go yeah, forward i feel and, you. and and that's why kind of why i don't like it you know um i like more to explore than than just sit there and feel lost 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's definitely not for everybody. I mean, horror is definitely not for everybody. It, it it's an acquired taste. So for mm-hmm. me, I I freaking love horror movies. I I freaking love it. So it's to this day, it's still my favorite medium when it's done well. So, um, you might right, so, be an adrenaline junkie. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I like maybe. getting the crap scared out of me. Um. Let me see. Did I think that's all of our random facts for this history? Yeah. No, I got one more. Oh, you got one more? All right, go ahead, shoot. I got one more. Uh, Assassin's Creed was a Prince of Persia spinoff. I can see that. I can yeah. see that. <laughs> the famous Assassin's Creed series from Ubisoft was initially a spin-off, spinoff of the Prince of Persia. Furthermore, during its early designs and thought, a game developers initially referred to it as Prince of Persia Assassin. Originally, the story center around, centered on a female assassin tasked with protecting Jerusalem's prince. However, Ubisoft turned the offer down as the story didn't focus more on the prince. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. And like, you're like one of the biggest Assassin's Creed fans, right? Uh, I think, right? I no, was until Valhalla. You was until Valhalla. <laughs> mm-hmm. Did you ever finish that game, by the way, or no? No, I literally just stopped playing it. I I think I invested something like 18 or 20 hours and after a certain point, I'm just like, I'm, I'm just roaming to Rome and it's like, okay, how many fields of purple flowers can I see? You know, it's just, it just, it didn't feel like, like, you know, and even worse, like, you know, to, to try to build up your village, you go out and roam and get all these resources and everything else. And you come back and you realize like you haven't really accomplished much. You go back out there and you're just kind of roaming and roaming and roaming and roaming and there's like no guide or help or anything else like there's no like little mini missions to help you push you forward so i would literally just run into an area and go okay i'm leveled up enough for this do whatever mission i i would see and then i just kind of felt like i wasn't accomplishing anything i just felt like i was going on to do a mission to do a mission so i I just didn't like it i just didn't like it i'll probably pick it up again you know, yeah. in a year or two and look at it a little differently and maybe like play along with a walkthrough to figure yeah. out where I went wrong. And then after that, you know, go completely on my own. Okay. I feel you. Yeah. I, I could, I could definitely see, you know, inspiration between those two games, like between those two franchises, honestly, um, like the, where, where that franchise is, is well, where the franchise is that right now is definitely not what it looked like when it originated. It's, it's totally different now. Uh, I guess it had to evolve with the times, I guess. I, I, I don't know, but I used to be big into Assassin's Creed and like during one and two, um, even Assassin's Creed black flag. I, I think I thought I talked about that before. Um, I'm just not into that franchise anymore. I just, I don't, I don't care for it. It's, for it me, comes... the, once you added boats, you ruined a lot of the joy of it for me. You think so? Really? I, yeah. I, I like, I like the boat aspect. I thought that was interesting. It was different. Uh, that's the part I hated the most because I was like, you know, I, I didn't want to, I'm not, I don't want to play a pirate game on boats. I want to <laughs> be sneaky and assassinate people and go find information and things like that. Like, you know, I didn't want to be like, oh, Land ho, let's go, you know, <laughs> sink another boat. I, I, that was the least favorite part of it. But, but is, so it, my, is fav- it... my favorite Assassin's Creed is still Assassin's Creed Origins. But I thought the whole point of the Assassin's Creed world was to explore different genres and time in history. I mean, not, not genres, but different times in, in history. 
Yeah. But you just don't like the boat thing. Like any any other no. history, but history with, with boats, you're not down with. <laughs> no, I'm not down with that. Okay. Like you. when you go to Assassin's Creed 3, it was interesting, you know. Um, you still had, you know, like these missions to accomplish and you did learn things, you'd learn about certain characters and certain people in history. Although it was a lot slower paced, yeah. I did enjoy it. But for me, Origins was the perfect balance of exploring. It did have some boat missions, but the boat missions weren't like overwhelming. It wasn't like, you know, like you went, you did your battle. Um, yeah. You had to use your brain to figure it out, but mm -hmm. you moved on from that part. You know, it, it, it only jumped to the boats when you jumped to a different character. And it was okay. It wasn't like Black Flag and the other ones where it was like, oh, let's go on another boat. Ah. Sink your boat. I could care less. Sink your damn boat. I don't want to be on the yeah. damn boat. I feel you. I feel you. I can't even swim. Why would I be on a boat? Like even in a video <laughs> game. Hey, you get to be somebody that can swim. That's all that matters. Mm -mm. Hell no. <laughs> um, all right. I so about swim and I'm drowning. Wow. Good point. Um, all right. Let's jump into our last news topic here. Um, Sony buys Bungie for $3.6 million. Um, and also New York Times buys Wordle. Um, what's going on with these acquisitions for this year, man? Like a lot of companies are just buying up companies. Do you, do you um, think that there's a chance that we could get monopolization being an issue soon? No, I just think the problem is creativity. That they can't figure out... Um, what makes the game tick? So they're trying to like put all their best programmers and designers all in this all under one roof and try to make the next big game. I think it's a matter of trying to pool resources than it is about monopolization. Because you invest more money in games than movies sometimes. You yeah. know? And, Very true. Um, <clears throat> and it takes a long time. Like you could have a company could have a string of hits and then a string of failures. Yeah. And some companies only like two games as a failure, the company's out of business. You know? Yeah. Very true. Because very rare is are you able to get a franchise that is long lived as Halo, Assassin's Creed, and things like that. You know, yeah. Laura Croft, for instance. Very hard to get that. Yeah. But it's I'm... easy to get flops like, you know, E.T. the game. <laughs> you remember that? E.T. the game? Oh Bro, man. I played it once. And there was this one level where you, E.T. fell into some kind of hole to get something, and there was no way for you to get out of the hole. Oh, wow. And That's... you needed to get in the hole to get the thing to move on forward in your mission. It was like the worst game ever made. <laughs> the worst. I, I, I remember, I think I saw a documentary somewhere. I forgot where. It might have been on Netflix. They were, and they were talking about that. The, uh, I think Steven Spielberg or somebody from his studio said that they wanted that game to be out by the time the film came out. And when the mm -hmm. person asked for the studio to make that game, it was only like two months left until the film came out. And they wanted it done by the time the film. So I think that's why that, that game suffered because they just didn't have enough time. They just didn't have time I, for it. I think it was hubris. Honestly, mm -hmm. I think it was hubris. Really? Atari was the king. Atari was on top. They didn't really have any competitors. All you had was like ColecoVision and other small companies, Activision, who made games for Atari. And yeah. I think Atari is like, well, we could do anything. We're on top. And they bit off more than they can chew, is what yeah. I personally do. 
Yeah, I, I think that's something that that documentary was talking about too. Is that Atari was just doing too much at the time, more than they can handle, and then they eventually just wore themselves out. Basically. Yeah, I think it's a combination of the two things: what you mentioned and what I mentioned combined that led into yeah. a catastrophic failure. So much so that they buried the they buried the games in uh in tri- in shipping containers. Uh, they discuss and and they didn't tell anybody where they buried it, and they discovered it a few years ago. And those ET games sold for like a couple thousand dollars wow. for collectors because they wanted to just have the game in the box. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, these collectors are making like so much freaking money. They don't even have to work to sell old games. But yeah, I mean. Hey, there are um, people who, who get rich off sneakers, which I don't understand. People who get rich off old t-shirts, you know, like you don't know what people might want to collect. Yeah. Things are just strange. I mean, there are people who collect spoons. Like, I don't get that. Spoons? Spoons. <laughs> there are people who collect spoons. Here's my spoon from Niagara Falls. Here's my spoon from Egypt. Here's my spoon from this. You know, like, people just have different tastes, and you don't know what they're willing to collect or want to collect. True indeed. True indeed. That's crazy. I mean, I'm kind of the same way with, like, pops. Like, I collect pops. People might find that to be weird, but I'm, a, no, I'm, it's I'm not- definitely a pop collector. Pops is one of those things where, like, you buy it because it reminds you of, you know, a TV show or movie that you're attached to. Like, yeah. I have uh, the three Pops from the original Battlestar Galactica from 1978. I have Pops from um, Deadpool, Star Trek. I have I love I have the I Love Lucy Pops. I have Ricky and Lucy. Really? Um, yes. <laughs> And there's another company called Q something that also sells like pop style things. Yeah. Pop style characters. And I got the God Pigeons. Dude, you remember wow. the God Pigeons from Animaniacs? Yes. That's it. And they start fighting. Mm-hmm. You know what? That gives me a video idea for YouTube. We should have a video to show off our pops. I think that'll be cool. We should. Do yeah, that. we should. We should. That'll be really but cool. Do you know what was the funniest thing though? Like, and mind you, I was an adult when I watched Animaniacs, and the God Pigeons would come on. Yeah. I'm, uh, and then, um, you know, the, the God Pigeon would come on, the, the, big, um, the big one, the mobster. Yeah. Like, I never <laughs> listened to what he said. I always thought it was gibberish. Yeah. And one day a coworker's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to order pasta fazul for, for lunch. And I was like, pasta fazul is a real thing? <laughs> And then I listened to him and he was like, lasagna, linguine with clam sauce. And then I realized the God Pigeon is just mentioning food. I was like, motherfucker. He was was just hungry all this time. Thought he was just talking out his ass. I thought he was just talking gibberish. I thought he was talking like native Italian. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. (laughs) Like they would do in cartoons, but no, he was actually just talking food. Oh man. Jeez Louise. Guys, anytime you ever hear somebody talking gibberish, they could just be talking about food. You never yep. know. Take the time to listen to a person. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in, in closing to that topic, yeah, I just, I think it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with the Sony and Bungie thing. Uh, they did say that um, the acquisition, acquisition, I keep saying that word weird, um, is not, <laughs> they said that it's not to make um, Destiny, which is a game that Bungie makes, it's not to make that exclusive. They are kind of like what you said, Los. They're adding a studio that's still going to be independent, but still going to be like a um, 
kind of like a uh, project studio to help out all of the other Sony exclusive studios because now they want to get into streaming, which is what Xbox is doing. They're, they're putting out a game streaming service. So they want to have some free to play ongoing live service games. And that's one of the games that Des I mean, that Bungie owns, which is destiny. <clears throat> so they're pretty much using uh, Bungie as like a, a resource studio basically. So like you said, going back to the, you know, like being, being creative, a lot of companies are having a hard time. I don't want to say being creative, but a lot of companies are looking for outside sources to help them with their creativity, help them with more projects and things like that. So I think this acquisition is, I don't want to say it's bigger than the Microsoft and, and like their acquisitions that they made over the past six months. But this one to me is a little more interesting because it means something different to Sony compared to what Microsoft is doing. You know what I mean? Well, Sony too, you have to kind of look at it. Like their movie studio <clears throat> is terrible. The, 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 the movie studio really yeah. terrible. Yeah. Um, and the same people who are thinking of the movies are thinking of the games. So they just kind of need that fresh blood to come in and change the way they look at things. You know, yeah. the problem with Sony is they're looking at they're looking at it from a very limited scope um, from their background instead of grabbing people from all sorts of backgrounds to help make movies. You know, kind yeah. of like, you know, what Warner Brothers or any other movie studio does. You know, they 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 get, oh, this is a great director from France. Let's pull him in to do this movie. Great director from South Africa. Let's grab him. Here's a good British director. Let's grab them. Where Sony kind of just sticks to a very small pool of people they work with. And mm -hmm. so things don't come out as good as they do. And when they do grab a new person, they kind of like, you know, paint them into a corner where they're stuck doing the Sony formula. And I think there's where Venom, let there be carnage suffered, you know, because uh, we don't, yeah, we don't, we don't talk about Venom the worst movie 2001. The only thing I'm a little iffy about when it comes to the Sony and their future is I just, some, some of the games, if they want to turn them into movies. Great, because some some games, some of their games might be great movies, you know. Um, but I just I don't think everything needs to be a movie. Everything doesn't need to be a movie. Some of that stuff, maybe a TV show, maybe an animated TV show or something like that. But everything doesn't need to be a movie because I feel like if you keep pumping out all these movies, like you said, uh, Sony doesn't make a lot of good movies. They have some gems, but they don't make a lot of good movies. So I'm a little worried about that. I'm a little worried. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. So we'll see. 100%. I mean, yeah. Um, other than that, um, let's jump into our recommendations. Los, do you have any recommendations to leave with the people before we get out of here today? Um, I do. Um, the uh -oh. last season of the expanse. Okay. Um, if you read the books, you kind of see where they kind of rushed the last season, but Overall, it was a very good ending to all five seasons or six seasons of The Expanse. Mm -hmm. Great show. It's known as hard sci-fi, which means it's very science-based. So okay. uh, things like gravity, work on science, um, how long it takes to travel and things like that, all that's very hard science-based. Okay. Uh, it was a good, and it's very people-oriented, you know. Um, good show. I recommend the last season of The Expanse. And, uh, um, I want to recommend book of Boba Fett, but it oh. did not come out as good as I wanted it to. 
The fact that you even said you want to recommend Book of Boba Fett. No, I said I wanted. Oh, See, you wanted to. Oh, okay, okay. Like all the hype before the show, um, for me it was like, okay, they're gonna they're gonna do something amazing with Boba Fett because people have been obsessed with Boba Fett since the. I think he had a grand total of six minutes of screen time in the original trilogy, or it might be four minutes. So it was very short. Know, all yeah, the yeah. Hype of his four minutes of screen time, it's gonna come out in Book of Boba Fett. And then it, it, it was just bad. Like yeah. what the Mandalorian is is kind of what you expected Boba Fett to be. Very true, very true. And I'm I'm not I'm not gonna like do any spoilers here for anybody who hasn't watched it yet. But I pretty much said said the same thing. I was expecting Boba Fett to be what Mandalorian was, but maybe dialed up like a notch or two because, like you said, when I first saw Boba Fett in the trilogy years ago. I was like, who is this guy? Like, I want to see more. Like, I want to see him in a film. I want to see him in something because he was so intriguing and we've, we've never seen anything like him before. And then when but we got you, this... You know what? I never understood the appeal of Boba Fett. He didn't do anything. I never stood the appeal. I could understand the appeal of Darth Vader. He has a lot of screen presence, a lot of screen time. You understand people's reactions to him, so you understand who he is. Um... Mm. You know, even General, is it General Moff, the one who ran the Death Star, the old man? Like, you know, yeah, you're yeah. like, okay, I believe he's that's this, this cruel, yeah, he's this cruel person. Like, in, in the trilogy, there was all, all these characters that you could latch onto because there's more story. But I was just like some guy standing in his armor, you know, that they yell at him, uh, was it no disintegrations? Like, you know. <laughs> Oh man! I didn't see. I didn't see the appeal of the character. Was he a good-looking character? Yes, absolutely. You were like, "Damn, that's some cool armor." But I never saw the appeal in him. I was like, "Okay, he looks cool, but so what?" Like, tell me something about him to make me want to care about the character. And now comes out Book of Boba Fett, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, he was just better off with those six minutes or four minutes in the, in the original trilogy." Oh man, that's you know? so funny. Although, you know, him going, I am Boba Fett, you know, it, I, uh, it, it loses its appeal. Star Wars Visions. Did you get a chance to check it out yet? Oh, that's the Japanese one? Yeah, it's like, so what it is, it's it's a Japanese, uh, well, it's like anime-based art style, uh, basically. All of the shows, I mean, all of the episodes aren't Japanese. It's just uh, they all look like different forms of anime, basically. Um, just like with the um, Marvel animated show that they had where each episode is just like a different story that's pretty what much if? what this is yeah what if series it's pretty much like the the uh star wars version of what if basically um i won't watch this what why won't, won't you watch this why won't you watch this i started watching um 11 seconds of the trailer and none of it seems interesting i don't like anime I don't right, like anime. I don't like the themes in anime. I don't like uh, a lot of the look in anime. I just don't like it. So this has no appeal to me. I mean, Legion, I hope that face that you're making right now in chat is your upset face at Los. Um, so here's the thing. Like, I'm not a huge anime guy either. I'll admit that. I used to be more into it when I was younger. But the, the thing about this show that just has been really good so far i think i'm like three episodes in is the art style is just so especially like mixing in the star wars universe with this art style it's just so freaking interesting 
like I'm not really worried about the story. The story is whatever. Every episode is a different story, but you're not there for the story. You're there for the art style. You're you're there for the lightsabers and the Star Wars lore and seeing all that Star Wars lore in a different form. It's just interesting, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I think even if you're not an anime guy, like I just think just, just watching that art style is just freaking beautiful, man. Like you just got to check it out. No, just, because just, just watch it. Here's the thing. Okay. No matter what science fiction franchise you're into, all of it has a look, a very specific look. Okay. Yeah. So when you jump into something that doesn't continue the look of that universe, you're immediately pulled out of the story, especially with anime. So when you just sprinkle Star Wars elements into a samurai animation movie, I'm not interested. Show me a Star Wars movie or show me a samurai movie, but don't sprinkle Star Wars into samurai and think I'm going to like it. But that's just me. I feel you. You know, that's just me. Um, I have zero interest in it. Zero, zero, zero interest in it. Okay. Um, again, I don't like that. You could, this, bro, they could pull out a Star Trek movie all in anime, you know, and the, the, you know, the SS, you know, the USS, uh, Tokyo as a starship. Yeah. I won't watch it because I, I don't, you. I don't want to watch, um, you know, anime with sprinkle charge Star Trek, or I don't want to watch anime with sprinkle Star Wars. You know, you. give me either or, or, or do it in the proper mix, you yeah. know, like you trying oh, to have Jedi so. in samurai robes. You think I froze? Did I freeze? No, you're, no, you're good now. You froze for like a okay. split second. Um, yeah. Like you're trying to have Jedi in samurai robes and that's not just the look of the Jedi. You 